misses. Brock isn't dead. It's just sleuthing. With your host, Willie Whitebread, and Mark Audio Slave Stewart. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Rock Isn't Dead, It's Just Sleeping, with yours truly, Willie the Loudmouth Whitebread, and... Mark Audio Slave. That's right. So, this week, I'm actually not past my bedtime. I'm here early, on a school night, and we're going to do this podcast on prominent female musicians in rock history. Not all of them, because that would take hours, yeah. but yeah. some of our favorites, and we hope that they're some of your favorites, too. Yeah, so uh, where where do you want to get started with? What I want to get started is with telling everybody how beautiful and powerful I believe the female voice to be in rock and roll. Yeah, it's either that or a cheese grater. I mean, it goes both ways. Well, it can go both ways, but, but chances yeah. are if you've Guys heard go both them ways before, with that too. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, well, those. Naturally, those, they go both ways. Well, momos. But, <laughs> momos. <laughs> However, so, me, since I was a young lad, my father has always loved the feminine voice in rock and roll, and I remember listening to Ann Wilson and Hart and Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood and all of these different beautiful women in past patty smith all of these women and i have a theory you know me and my theories i have a theory that there is no voice more powerful and that can hit you and bring you to your knees like an amazing female vocalist wouldn't you agree or would you not agree no i i i, I uh, yeah sure yeah no uh, you're not too into it so okay, so what are we talking about? Who's 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 your you who's be, on your be, night? You got to be in the mood for for a female. Vocalist. I'm always in the mood for a female. Well, no, I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I mean, you got to be in the mood. Whatever genre you're listening to, you got to be in the mood for. I mean, I doubt you're sitting there like jamming out to No Doubt every day. I mean, I will if it comes on the radio every day. I won't turn it away. You got damn right. 1993. Oh yeah, of course. So who's on your nightstand? Who's on your turntable? Who are you listening to, Mark? These days? Who do you listen to? Who's your, who's your prominent, since since I'm obviously slightly more passionate about the female vocalist than you are, who gets your PP erect? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to have to say probably Stevie Nicks. You know, she's probably the oh. queen of, of oh. for me, anyway. She's so beautiful. The witch. And that both white sides. witch. Oh, she is a white Well, she did. She did play that image on the big screen more than once, didn't she? American Horror Story couple, yeah. multiple times. She was on that. What was that, what was that season called? The, uh, witches. Was that it? Just Witches? Yeah, it was, but she also came back for, uh, for uh, Armageddon. Wasn't she in there for a little bit? Oh, I don't know. I stopped episode. watching it after, I think it was the Witches one, because they started getting a little crazy. Yeah, yeah. The one of them was super, super political. Yeah, And I yeah. don't like to play that That was probably game. the worst season, in my opinion. Yeah, I watched one episode, and I was like, nope, nah. not you two. Oh, no, 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 I watched the Lady Gaga one. Speaking of female vocalists yeah, that I do love. That was uh, Roanoke, I think. 
she was the no, uh, she was the hotel. Oh, when she was the vampire. When she was yeah, the vampire. That was very very cool. Oh I, 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 I like that, that whole season. Actually. And you know Lady Gaga, man, she's both risque and powerful in her own right. As far as but then she came back for Roanoke and played a uh, forest witch. Did she? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, she. Was I didn't good. even know she that. Was pretty good in that too. It was the Roanoke one when they were like off in the beaten path in the woods, right. just kind of hanging out in their house, and that lady kind of went crazy a little bit. Well, yeah. The wife. It was a house. Yeah, it was. It was uh, the house playing tricks on her out in the middle of nowhere, and like there was these like redneck family that lived next door, and they were crazy, and they were doing things to them, and it was just like you know started off from there, and then there were, then there was ghosts and, and involved and stuff. But wow, I love ghosts. That was a really yeah, it was a decent season. That's not my favorite. You know? No. Oh well, anyway. Well, never enough about AHS. Yeah. So Stevie Nicks. So where where did she come from? Where are we getting introduced to Stevie on? Well. uh it says here she was born in 1948. Wow. Okay. Uh, May 26th. She's, so that makes her 71 these days. And she's holding on tight. Mm. She, didn't, she didn't become a statistic. And you know what? That's another funny thing because you know the stigma and you know the statistics that men always die first. Right, yeah. oh, you yeah. go through any cemetery where a mo- like a wife and a husband are buried together. You're always going to see the guy dead 20 like years. twenty years before his wife because <laughs> right. we do obvious for the obvious reasons. We do stupid shit. Mm-hmm. We're Cro-Magnons, right? Mm-hmm. We're the ones that sit in our car. Like if you and I were in a car together and I farted, you'd go, "Oh wow, it smells great." Even though you knew it was going to stink, you would still smell it just to fucking make sure, and you know it. No. Oh, you totally. Did. I was like, "What the." F- it's your problem. Nah, you would roll love the it. window down, bitch. <laughs> you would love it, but yeah. So obviously she's uh yeah she's she's holding on there seventy one and she's still pushing out good stuff. She's still pushing out great stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And didn't she have a very interesting entrance into Fleetwood? Like, wasn't she? Uh, she worked at the studio, right? Yeah, she Sound worked. City, right? No, no, no. It was Muscles, no? Muscle Shoals. Ah. Yeah, the one. Uh, you know, the, that's where the uh, old Leonard Skinner did Sweet Home Alabama. And so, um, she, yeah, she was working at the studio at the time, and then, you know, she, she, well, she, was, she was still dating Lindsey Buckingham. And Lindsey Buckingham, you know, he, he, was, he was, you know, the, the guitar player for Fleetwood Mac these days, yeah. you know, all throughout their, their history. But he didn't actually come on, and they, didn't, they both were signed on at the same time. They didn't come on until the second album. So mm-hmm. um, that's basically 1975 is, is when, when they both joined Fleetwood Mac. Hmm. And... Um, yeah, dude. And then took off from there. See, I always thought, like, I heard that rumor that she started, like, sweeping the floor. Like, she was working in the studio, and they knew she could sing, and, like, Fleetwood needed... Uh... Well, her and Lindsey Buckingham were high school sweethearts. Oh. And he actually got a gig bef- before Fleetwood Mac um, with uh, the Everly Brothers as a, as a guitar player. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Oh. He, Lindsey Buckingham, in case people didn't know, also did the uh, you know, Holiday Road song for the Vacation movie. Really? That's him singing. Yeah. Wow. Holiday Road. <laughs> I always loved Fleetwood Mac, man. That was that was one thing, and they made fun of him kind of in that in that movie uh, School of Rock. Yeah. They made fun of him yeah. a little bit, I but I always thought Stevie was an intense intense vocalist, and she had a great stage presence. Like she always came up there in the lace dresses mm-hmm. and real tight. But you know what? The, what the cool thing is, because back in those times in like the in the late '60s and the '70s, you had, you know, she was one of the more composed female vocalist i feel like you know what i mean because then because yeah. you, you had joplin who was a fucking 
insane person. Yeah. And you had uh, Ann Wilson because she was started in the late in, in the late sixties, and yeah. she had a bad problem with alcohol, so she had a little bit of a crazy stage presence. And then you had people like Patti Smith, who we'll get into a little bit later, who was you know obviously if, if you guys know anything about Patti Smith, she was fucking insane. She came up more in the punk era of things, but so Stevie had like this kind of beautiful, serene. Uh, composure to her but also power at the same time yeah so so she was going to college and then she got confronted basically go with Lindsay and, and join Fleetwood Mac or finish school and do what she wanted to do professionally so she chose music so wow and then uh she also when she wrote uh landslide she uh she was inspired she went to Aspen and she was Colorado and she was inspired by the scenery but it was also you know it was it was her pursuit of music and uncertainty of also you know still staying with Lindsay. So like it was like a combination of three different things that made that landslide song come together. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And I also I was watching this other show on I think it was HBO and it's about kind of like the rap stars. It's I think it's Dr. Dre. I don't know. It, it, like the big it. ones or the the strong ones or something like that. And I remember seeing that Stevie Nicks, young, young in her career, was like dating one of the managers, this like a shorter, balder Jewish fellow hmm. for a little while. Like Stevie and him dated for a while and it didn't quite work out and all that. But so when, like around what time did you think, uh, or well, around what time did Stevie sort of split off from Fleetwood and kind of go her own, go her own way? I'm not too sure on that no? whole, whole aspect. Let's see. Let's look that up. Let's see what time. Because that's that's an interesting thing. Because that's a that's that's what all the female vocalists. But solo, end up she was nominated for eight Grammy awards, and she holds the record for the most nominations for a female without a win. Really? So, that's so she kinda, never won one. That's fucked up, right? Yeah, that fucking blows. But dude. with Fleetwood Mac, they won nine. Or they, they were sorry, they were nominated for nine. They won two. The first one was uh, 1978 for Album of the Year, mm-hmm. and the second one was a Hall of Fame award for the Grammys. Oh. So she, she got two. Radical. Yeah. Radical. Well, like uh, that kind of leads, speaking of going solo and uh, kind of doing your own thing, going your own way, that's kind of the way that, that Janice started, because she started with, uh, what was it, the Brothers, Big Brother and the Holding Company. Mm-hmm. And she had kind of a similar story. Like she was in college, she grew up in Port Arthur, Texas. And she she had the same kind of ultimatum. She grew up in kind of the same household that because uh, back in those times it was very it was either very left wing anti war or right. it was very hard nosed kind of almost kind of how it is now. It was the high and tight dad saying, "Well, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, you're going to do this." Music splitting off and just being like, "No, I'm going to be a musician." Yeah, that was fucking unheard of. Yeah, you know that was insane. Like you're not going to do that. No. Yeah. And so that's kind of the route that that Janice went. And so she went to college and she had an intense, uh, I, we talked a little, I talked a little bit about this during the seventies episode, but she I had, had no idea a, she went to college. I thought she just fell out of trailer one day and was like, what's up America? Well, pretty much. She <laughs> sucked at, <laughs> she sucked at school. She was absolutely awful at school, and, but she still went to college under her, you know, just to appease the, you know, the family, the patriarchal attitude of things. You know, right. she went to, she went to school. I forget what she was studying. I don't even remember. Probably fucking Southern comfort. Ology or genealogy, <laughs> J E A N ology. How to make wine, man? Yeah, with a minor in gator wrestling or something crazy. But uh, so she was confronted with that kind of same ultimatum, and she had intense self-esteem issues because she was very—I <laughs> hate to say this—and somebody's probably going to fucking verbally stab me, but she was a very ugly woman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? She was yeah. very ugly woman, and kind of what set her off in finding her own, uh, you know, uniquity 
to her was they had this college newspaper and every month they would come out with uh, the ugliest man in college mm. and she a bunch of girls around the school fucking nominated her Dang. and she she, <laughs> she won oh, i mean she had a front page line in the newspaper she was the ugliest man she, in college so she, she she almost hung herself before she mm-hmm. got famous <laughs> that's right oh those Mean girls. Oh, mean motherfuckers, dude. <laughs> so she she split off and moved to California, like most people do, and she started singing in small clubs. And she was big into obviously you had to be big into it if you were in the classic rock movement back in those times, the psychedelic rock movement, because it all stemmed from this music, rock music itself all stemmed from this. Anyway, she was big into the blues, Otis Redding specifically. She absolutely fucking adored Otis Redding, mm-hmm. and you can hear a lot of his works in her works. Baby, baby, baby. All that kind of like repetitive yeah. blues, stabby kind of uh, hook yeah. style stuff. And you can see a lot of that in in her music. So anyway, she got noticed and she ended up picking up a band and she started playing with Big Brother and the Holding Company. And that was their jam. And so they, they started doing what, what most folk do out there, playing at the Whiskey, the Whiskey A Go-Go over there, playing small clubs until finally the, the, the corner turned and it took a round turn. And in 1967, they got to play the Monterey Pop Festival. And Monterey Pop, that was a huge thing back then, back then because if you think back into the late 60s, you're going to think of two big festivals, the Monterey mm-hmm. Pop Festival in yeah. Woodstock, That's right? right. Yep. Monterey Pop in 67, which was the craziest lineup. That was Jimi Hendrix, uh, Big Brother and the Holding Company, Grateful Dead, Jefferson Airplane, her hero, Otis Redding, The Who... Like just all, just the, all the big guns. Yo, of the, my of the God, at that time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. James Brown, I think, was there. I think so. Yeah, it was just fucking. Take the bridge. Yeah, yeah, right. Hi. But uh, so anyway, that was that was kind of their their big break. But there was also another big break in there with her, obviously, drugs. Hmm. That's kind of the out the the avenue that she started going into as an outlet, and she also had a big crisis with her sexuality. So she was she was dating off and on Pigpen from the Grateful Dead. So there was that. But she was also <laughs> wouldn't want to be a fly in that room. Oh my god! No. All the sounds, god. the stench, stench. <laughs> Probably sounds like somebody smacking an oiled up waterbed with a slab of bologna. <laughs> oh <laughs> god! Just absolutely, absolutely disgusting. No bathing. All the hair diapers. Just absolute oh, grossities. Son of a bitch, why did I even bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> very descriptive. I'm a very descriptive man. Uh, oh, <laughs> another funny story about her hanging out with the Grateful Dead, because that was all the hate Nashberry stuff. Jefferson Airplane was there. We'll get into Grace Slick, which is the fucking coolest name in rock and roll ever. Uh, we'll get into that in a it's little bit. It's a pretty slick name. Oh, it's a fucking great slick name. Slickest. Slickest. Uh, so, funny enough, how she got introduced into psychedelics is that she was hanging out with the dead, and they were having, because they had the dead oh, house. Hanging out with the dead, that's all you have to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> she didn't know what was going on. They had this bottle of... Uh, some bottle of wine, I forget exactly. It was big in that, that particular time. And they put like 67 hits of acid in it or something in the whole bottle. Oh and they were all kind of passing around, taking little sips, right? And Janice being the fucking alcohol-fueled machine <laughs> that, she had, <laughs> that she had cultivated herself into because everybody with self-image issues at fucking some point mm. ends up self-medicating. You know, Kurt Cobain, ding, ding, ding. So mm. <laughs> she, she grabbed the bottle and she just started guzzling the shit. And everybody started giggling around her. And they're like, uh, she's like, what the fuck, man? Like, what are you guys laughing at? And they're like, well, you just took enough acid to put you on a trip for the next month and a half. It's like she didn't die there. Right down there. I don't Can you die from acid? Oh, yeah. Can you? I heard a story about these undercover cops up in Jersey who uh, they were undercover. They had leather pants on. 
and they were with these these guys and they were dealing acid with these bikers or i don't know what the hell the story was yeah. but 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 then like they were undercover so these biker guys were like yeah take this acid and they were getting pulled over by the police so they put the acid in their pants and it like saturated from the from the heat of the oh, leather i think i heard in, about in, that yeah the, the, i guess like the sheets yeah penetrated their, their skin and they supposedly don't you know it's what killed them but Really? Yeah. And that's back when, when LSD was like real LSD. Yeah, I think the story is probably from like late 80s, early 90s type. That's insane, yeah. dude. No, oh, who knows if it's true. It could be urban legend. I've never tried it. Have you ever tried it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. What do you mean? Like, like that's a regular thing. Like I used to eat like weird Skittles I used and like Pepsi Blue. I used to have friends that used to put it in their eyeballs mm. and it would hit them in like 10 minutes. So. How long does it normally take to hit you? About an hour. Mm. Theoretically. <laughs> so right when you're sitting there getting comfortable and you're like oh man you know this isn't that bad the fucking dragon walks through the wall yeah and licks right. you in the forehead right and you're like well here we go hey dude why does your dad look like donald duck yeah <laughs> i've been i've been listening to a lot of uh a lot of podcasts and interviews and reading reading some blogs lately about psychedelics and how they're kind of making well, timothy a, leary was you know the godfather of yeah all that. yeah mm-hmm. And that was that was all coinciding with the Hate Nashbury uh, movement. Yeah, I mean and, that was their thing, you know. The, that, yeah, that was the, the king. magic mushrooms and the yeah. acid. So I've been I've been reading a lot about that, and it's really starting to intrigue me because what they're saying is they're not putting so much stigma on how bad it is, and like focusing on bad trips, which obviously you can have. So I've heard. I've never tried anything like that, but what. I've been reading that it's it it opens up gateways in your mind and forces you because you know how people people with with issues with uh, marital issues or self esteem issues or daddy issues mommy issues whatever issues they may have they kind of bury them that's the natural thing that we do as human beings in modern society that don't go see a shrink regularly right we right. bury these things down inside and we revisit them when we talk to the ceiling fan at night sometimes <laughs> you know what I mean you have the conversation with the ceiling fan that's that's my theory on how you've you've know you made it in life. If you can hang out with a ceiling fan in, in, the, in an eight hour to 10 hour span of time, if you can hang out with a ceiling fan and fall asleep quick and be happy, and then you can wake up and go talk to the mirror and you like what you talk about there and you like what you see there, I feel like that's how you fucking know you made it, man. But anyway. Okay. Well. Yeah. Anyway. So with these, with the, the stuff I've been listening to about You and the LSD, references with the bedroom furniture. <laughs> uh, bedroom furniture. Everything's about the bedroom, man. Where do you spend the majority of your life? Um, in the bedroom, bro, sleeping. In the kitchen, I think. No way. What am I, a woman? Oh, wait. Just actually, kidding. Just in kidding. In traffic or on the shitter. Really? You spend that much time shitting? If you look at it by statistics, you spend like two years of your life on the shitter. But what about the bathroom? Two years. Or what about the bedroom? Oh, I don't know. I, I haven't looked up statistics for that. Well, you're in there for what? At least eight hours. That's sleep time, right? Well, yeah. If you're, you're not, you better be getting eight hours of sleep, Marcus. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Anyway. If not more. Well, right. So you spend eight hours a day minimum in the bed, right? What is that? I'm not a math guy, but that's like at least 35 to yes, 40%. Yes, you're correct about the bedroom. See, that's all I was looking for. I'm not going to say you're not <laughs> correct. I'm just saying that two years is a long time for the bathroom. That's all I said. <laughs> <laughs> so NT who what I'm getting at is they're they're coming out with more studies that are that are kind of desensitizing and almost romanticizing these DMTs and LSDs and all these different things because it, it says that if you do it in good health and in good company and in good environment that it can force you to face the demons in your life. They say if you've done it more than twice, you're legally insane. Really. So. so did Sid Barrett do it like crazy. 70 times uh, No, a he, day? He had problems before. 
I mean, I have a schizophrenic uncle who tipped him over in the 70s from, from a bad hit. He saw the devil, supposedly, and ever since then, he's, you know, my, my aunt takes care of him. He sits there and he rubs his knees and he laughs to himself. And, you know, wow. one, I remember one Christmas, he, he went downstairs and, you know, came back upstairs and he shaved his head and his eyebrows off. And, like, it was just with a, you know, a shaver. Is he still with us? Is he still alive? Old Patches? Yeah, Uncle Alfred. He's, yeah, he's, he's still you know what al- you should do? alive and kicking. You know what you should do? You should take a GoPro and videotape that next time it happens and then dub in, like, Tool Sober. Oh man! I, I Behind could, it, he'd be like, "Why can't that be hilarious?" Yeah, I think he's still seeing the demons, man. It's crazy. The demons, we all see the demons. Yeah, but he sees them. But so <laughs> back back to the point is, I want to try this shit. I'm obviously I'm in a position in my professional career to where I can't mess with that kind of stuff, and I never have. But I want to try it because I want to. I'm always in like a personal, uh, a personal attack for enlightenment. You know what I mean? I'm always right. trying to to see and like. I'm the type of person that I analyze every little feeling. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, what is that? Why am I feeling that way? What caused this? How can I make that better? How can I brighten things? And so I would really like to like take a couple days and just lock myself in the house with like 25 records and just listen and just experience things like that. Draw the blinds, get all the Cheetos, which I don't, I don't know if you get hungry on. Start loathing on yourself. No, yeah, right. <laughs> Tell me about the goddamn golf shoes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> the bats. <laughs> the past. But anyway, so that's when she got, when uh, Janice got really heavy into the uh, into the drugs, when she first started, you know, with... Hanging out with the Grateful freaking Dead. Grateful Dead and Big Brother. Well, I mean, that was the hate in Ashbury. But they were like the kings of the, of like the psychedelic community. Yeah. You know? And in uh, the cool, one of the cool, another cool thing about uh, the Monterey Festival over there in Cal- California is they were videotaping it, right? And at the time, Janice and Big Brother, they weren't a big act. You know, they weren't a, a grand. They didn't have a whole lot of clout in the community because you had, you had Jefferson Airplane out for a couple of years, and they were the big. You know, Grace Slick, she was the big female prominent star on that, and so, uh, so they wanted to film it. And Janice, being as you know, she has these great self esteem issues, and these, you know, she doesn't want to be seen on camera, much less be up on stage. She's already shitting her fucking pants and probably seven shades of fucked up, mm. you know. And so the director came over there and asked her, like, "Hey, can we please videotape your set?" And she's like, "Fuck no!" You know, she's like, "I'm not gonna do it." Wow. Yeah. And so she got up there and played, right? And they were so good that sorry, a little burp there, a little mouth flatulence. Uh, they were so good that the director came back over and essentially begged, like hands and knees begged. She's like, the, the guy's like, please, you have to let us do it. And hmm. <clears throat> they did. And that's kind of how they broke loose is because how many, how many bands do you know at a three day festival that do so fucking good? They get to play twice. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I've never seen that. Yeah. Never in this day and age. And yeah. All the competition. Oh, sorry. I've never even heard it in that day and age, much wow. less this day and age. You know, I don't know everything that happened back then, but Jesus, that's pretty unheard of stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? So that, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, and also, she was when she did get big, or when they did get big, the proverbial they, uh, they started comparing her to, uh, and, and contrasting her as the most prominent and powerful female voice since Aretha Franklin, which is saying something at that time. Hmm. That's insane. That is. That's is. great, because she, she had very erratic, eclectic kind of style. She, she reminds me, like, if... If if Jack White, she reminds me of a female Jack White. Yeah, like she's just that. very eclectic, very chaotic. The way she sings, she's so very fucking, bluesy, very bluesy, very passionate, very on the spot. And her band was absolutely fantastic at following her. 
Because yeah. that's what he did. Usually the band follows the drummer. No, they fucking followed Janice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. They followed her. She was the absolute heartbeat. So, uh, then moving on to a little bit, she went solo. Uh, she went solo and formed uh, the Cosmic Blues, which did pretty good. She took some time off and went to Brazil and hung out, got a boyfriend or two, fucking probably had some sex, drank some beers and whatever, and then formed the Cosmic Blues. They released a couple albums. They were pretty good. And then comes to Woodstock. Woodstock. That, and that's what made her superstardom. Super great. I mean, she was pretty pretty big at that time, but Woodstock blew her the fucking doors off it. You know what I mean? So how many years did she live after Woodstock? Not many. <laughs> I don't know the exact Wasn't number. her and Jimmy the same, they died the same year, same day, something weird like that. Same age. That's what it was. 27. They're both in the 27 Club. Okay. Yeah, and she died. She was, I think she was heroin. Yeah, she was heroin. Wasn't James Dean in the 27 Club as well? I don't know. Uh, I can't. I can't speak to that accurately, but that sounds right. Jim Morrison. No, Jim Morrison was. You know, uh, Amy Winehouse, Kurt Cobain, Jimi Hendrix. That's a weird. Isn't that this is the weirdest thing? And there's see, there's a there's you a gotta hole. watch people when they're twenty seven. Oh, you're twenty seven. Just chill well, out. I can't take, say, take, here's some antidepressants. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I can't say that uh, that I'm not a I'm no no kind of super musician or anything. But I took a little bit of a breath out when I t- after I turned twenty eight. I'll tell you that I was like, I'm Maybe. not going to be a statistic. <laughs> Sweet. Not that anybody would fucking remember me, but whew. but there yeah. was also a you know a lot more on that list. But anyway, so. The, the performance that she made at Woodstock that, that kind of set her apart from the rest of the bands, because yeah, I guess they were all fucked up, whatever. Jefferson Airplane was there. A lot, of, a lot of other bands were there. But she was like mega tore up. Oh. Like tore up from the fucking floor up. I don't even know what I'm doing fucked up. Because her girlfriend was there. Uh, she was dating. I forget the girl's name at the time. And uh, the girl was not going to go because uh, hmm. because she didn't want to fight the crowds. Because you, you know what? I forget the road, but it was up there in New York, in upstate New York. And the there was no parking, or not much parking, obviously. So people were yeah. people had to walk like three or four miles, oh, yeah, park their car on the side of the car, highway. Cars worked for miles. Yeah, so. and she wasn't going to do that, the, her girlfriend. And so she's like, the only way I'll come is if you, you know, she threw out some ridiculous thing. She's like, if you fly me in on a helicopter. So what did Janice do? Fucking called a helicopter from the local news crew, paid him. They fucking took her ass and flew her right to the venue. Sweet. Fucking, I wish I could get that treatment. <laughs> I, I mean, I've been up on a lot of helicopters, but never never to do something yeah, never. I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so anyway, that was kind of a big recognition for her. And then uh, after a few years of going back and forth and self-image issues and a little bit of music here, and a little bit of quitting bands here, left Big Brother, formed Cosmic Blues, went solo, Got real bad off on alcohol. Finally, uh, stayed a lot at the Chelsea Hotel. Come to find out, mm. stayed a lot at the Chelsea. I like to mention the Chelsea Hotel. The Chelsea Hotel. I don't know if it's still. Is it still open? Oh yeah, it's still open for business. Or, yeah, hundred percent. I would love to stay it's, there. I mean, you got the Chelsea, you got the Waldorf Astoria. I don't care about any of that. Five, it's a five star hotel. Chelsea, I want to stay that. Yeah, it, it's not all. It's it's probably all nice now. It's not. It's always been nice. It's in Manhattan. It's a beautiful hotel. Really? Yeah. I thought it was kind of shitty. No. 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 Beautiful. Really? Yeah. Five oh, stars. There a lot. You got to be rich. Yeah. I mean, you can stay there, but you yeah. only afford like one night for like 500 bucks probably. Yeah, that's it. Maybe by the hour. <laughs> like 50 my, bucks to I do a tour. I the the out by the hour. No, no. But anyway, so then, yes, Miss Janice ended up overdosing and dying at the age of 27. Wah, wah, wah. Correct. Too soon. That's right. Very too soon. So who else do we got? Who else do we got? We got Miss uh, Joan Jett. Ooh, talk to me. 
Joan was she was born in the fifties, nineteen fifty eight, as a matter of yeah, fact. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. A little town called Wynwood, Pennsylvania. Wow. Right outside Philadelphia. Wow. So she is in a group called the Runaways. Okay. Which we'll get to her, but Lita Ford is also was also in the same group. Okay. Um that was back in like I think 1979. Mm-hmm. Okay, then then they formed. Well, Joan left the the, the Runaways to form the Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. Mm-hmm. And uh, Evil Stig. I remember she had a lot of. Uh, she was she was one of the prominent badasses to break through in the in the music history in the music timeline too. Because she was huge in what the late 70s 80s. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Late seventies or eighties is yeah. kind of when the, when she broke through, and that kind of moving from that um, that kind of hard rock feel that uh, I wouldn't call her heavy metal, but she was kind of in a group of her own, and she was also in that group of people that like women don't do this. They're like, holy shit, who is this chick? Women don't sing like this. Women don't well, act like this. It's funny because um, she's been approached several times in her career about you know you know are you uh, you know heterosexual or not? Are you gay or not? And she and she says every single time. That she, uh, she's not. She's not she, heterosexual? She, she denies being gay. Even though... She likes to meet. Everybody says you're gay. She Joan. likes to meet. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she had a, she had a big problem getting, getting a record deal. I remember, I remember hearing in an interview that she got, she got denied by 23 different record companies before the only way she could get a record deal is she started her own fucking record company, Blackheart Records. That's right. Remember we were talking about That's that. Right. And then she, she like printed 5,000 copies of her record and they parked this white van with a big black heart on it outside the show and they were selling albums out of the back of a fucking van. Yeah. And that's how you got her music because nobody would sign her because they, they were afraid of her because they're like, women don't sing like this. It's not going to go anywhere. You're going to fall like a Led Zeppelin baby. Yeah. That's... Y- you know? And then she goes to become the godmother of punk. Oh my you know? God. Well, that's debatable. That's what they call her. They that's call debatable. her the godmother of punk. That's debatable. I don't know. To me at least. I would, I would, I would wager Patti Smith to your Joan Jett any day. So you got uh, I Love Rock and Roll, mm-hmm. Bad Reputation, Crimson and Clover, I Hate Myself for Loving You. That was a, that was a big one back in the 80s. And did you notice that she's a, she's a big fan of like, uh, sports? sports really? Music. Yeah, like you know, UFC, and she likes the, oh. uh, the X Games. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, NFL. I wouldn't expect that. She's big time. Not, not because of her, because she's a woman, but because she's a, because of rock stars in general, because here's another theory. I have a, a theory that I feel like introverted, more introverted and brooding musicians, maybe some of the more outward ones. Okay. I could maybe see it, but I feel like, I feel like musicians and poets and artists and people like these, I feel like they're too smart for sports. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I honestly believe that these kind of people are too smart for sports. Because you, you see, like, you see people, like, you see them all the time. Different like, strokes for different folks, though. Like, you, you see know? people, do you, do you have people that maybe maybe at work or people that you know that, like, when their team loses, it completely ruins oh, their fucking life? Dude, I, lo- I know people that, like, and I'm sure there are a lot of people are listening, live by that sports center. Live by it. And it's the most arbitrary thing. Keep up with every single stat of every single player in their fantasy worlds. That, yeah, they even have like fantasy games that they play, oh, and they, they make little things, yeah, little leagues. wagers, and leagues, league, online leagues for every single sporting you know type. It just seems so silly to me, right? Well, and, I mean, that's why I said it's different strokes, different folks, you know. Because I, I like to hold musicians and artists and poets and all these kind of more introverted and uh, more intellectual, left-brained folks well into a higher right, standard. Right, right brain, or right brain, yeah. So I'm thinking that the left brain guys are the ones that are into this, all these statistics and. And, you know, all these math, you know, 
because it's a lot of math. Not involved. scientists, just bullshitting. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> take my advice, I tell you. Yeah, don't 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 live your life by the brain rules of the audio slave and Willy. Well, Wiper. I remember a couple episodes ago we talked about it. You know, you made it to the big time when Weird Al does. That's it, baby. Does you a know. song for you, and Joan Jett was no exception. And I love Rocky Road. What was was what, I don't know if I've ever heard that one. I, uh, that was a Weird Al song for uh, for Joan Jett. That's radical, man. Yeah. I loved her, man. She was. Oh, well, man. I still love she, it. She, she was definitely an idol, you know. I feel, what, who did she? I think she, at the when Nirvana got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think she sung a few songs for them. I want to say she did. I think I remember that. Because yeah. I feel like that's that's a thing that they like to do. They the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame likes to have these big female musicians come in and cover these people's songs. And, right. and I love it. I, I think it's fantastic. Did you ever? I, I know it wasn't rock and roll. It was a different. It was a different induction uh, for Led Zeppelin when uh, Ann Wilson and Jason Bonham went in there with like a full orchestrated set and did uh, "Stairway to Heaven." Did you ever see that? No. Oh no. man, you got to look that up on YouTube. It's super powerful shit, and Ann does an absolutely fantastic job. I want to check it out? Oh, it's fantastic. We'll check it out after this. Uh, I, was, I was watching that, and it came on um, – well, I, I've known about it for a long time, but I watched it earlier today after I watched uh, some Patti Smith videos. I was watching her her tribute to Kurt Cobain doing the uh, – uh, The Smells Like Teen Spirit. Smells Like Teen Spirit, right. So anyway. So yes, Joan Jett, beautiful, absolute fantastic example of a rock. prominent female rock musician of the She's time. A- A.K.A. Badass Bitch. Badass Bitch, <laughs> dude. Joan Jett is a badass bitch. So let's go a little bit... Well, no, this this woman is very badass in her own right, and she was very... Well, should we go right into Patty? Or I think I'm going to go into Patty. Or you want to just get Lita? I'm, oh. oh, yeah, yeah, let's talk about Lita first. Let's talk about Lita first, because that's kind of a good segue. So Lita Ford was our, was our next on our list. Um, she was born in 1958 uh-huh. in England, in London, as a matter of fact. British Invasion. She was also in The Runaways alongside mm-hmm. Joan Jett. I remember that. Mm-hmm. So she went solo. That was Those were in the 1970s is when The Runaways was, was going strong. So she went solo in the 80s. Um, she didn't really get it get it, her stuff off the ground until uh, her self-titled album Lita came out. And she was being managed by actually Sharon Osbourne. And I did not know really? that that's how Close Your Eyes with Ozzy, her most famous song, her most closest song on the top yeah. 40 to number one was 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 made with ozzy and she she got it through her manager sharon that's how she wow. hooked up with him for for the for the song wow yeah, yeah. well they, she she always had a pretty close relationship with with sabbath and ozzy right because she was engaged oh, to iomi for a she while she was right? engaged yes but she ended up marrying the uh the, the guitarist from wasp <laughs> Will, really yeah well tony iomi probably summoned fucking the powers of alistair crowley and tried to sacrifice her to yeah. the underworld. Well, I mean, she divorced the guy from Wasp, but um, obviously, I would then, too. Then she got married to a, to this, uh, a guy named Chris Holmes. He, he was in a band called Nitro in the '90s. Never heard of them. Yeah, yeah. haven't heard of those guys. But the craziest thing about it is they that is that uh, they moved to the Turks and the Caicos. Turks and the Caicos. They moved. They moved over there. They moved over there to the Turks and the Caicos. He became this big time real estate guy, and so the Nitro guy. The Nitro guy did. Nitro guy. Right. Yeah. His name is uh, Tim Gillette. The best a Chris, man can get. That's right. Chris Holmes was the wasp yeah, guy. Yeah, the best a man can get. Yeah. Then they did. They got a TLC, TLC show ah. for a real estate reality show called "The Gillettes: An Extreme American Family." 
and that was back in 2011. Wow. All of probably three people probably watched yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, all of three people watched the six episodes that that aired. <laughs> yeah. Right? But, you know, it would have been cool if I would have known Lita Ford was going to be on it. I'm like, hell yeah, let's check yeah, it out. Hell yeah. It's but, funny how all these stars, like, when they when they try to branch out a little bit, sometimes it works. But when it doesn't work, it fucking doesn't work. Yeah. Like, a lot of them try to do, like, these little these little game shows or these little side shows or something. I watched Bam Margera one, and he had some little fucking weird game show thing that was retarded. They're all just trying out stuff, man. Yeah, why not? Keep the flame from burning out. Exactly. Right. You gotta sustain yourself in the Hollywood spotlight. Yeah. So can we can we talk about Patty now? Can we yeah, talk about I Patty? I guess we'll talk about Can we talk about Patty? She's your favorite, isn't she? Oh, I love Patty Smith, dude. I fucking love Patty Smith. I thought we were talking about Patty Benatar. Well, well, we can talk about her, too. We can talk about Patty I know, Benatar. Patty Smith, I know. Come on. Patty Smith, dude. So, the punk rock poet, Patty Smith. The, the bringer of rain to the CBGB life, Patty Smith. The, the, the beautiful lyricist. Okay, oh, The artist. The, the French commander. What is she? Yeah, she's a French commander. In 2000 and... What was it? 2005, she got named the commander of the Odre de Arts et de Lutris by the Minister of Culture in France. So essentially that you might means... might as well be speaking French, man. I don't know right. what you just said. Je <laughs> Yeah, well, anyway, the bottom line is the chick is a pretty fucking big deal. And so she was part of that, uh, that initialization and that cultivation of the, the CBGB movement. She was absolutely an integral part of that, right? And so she was born Patricia Lee Smith in 1946, and there she was always labeled the punk rock poet laureate. And she <clears throat> moved, uh, she was a small town kid from Chicago, moved uh, up to New York and started working at a little bookshop. Uh, and where she, I think she was also going to school there. Mark, where are you at? What are you doing? Oh, it was just... my, my, my friend left me. Anyway, she was, uh, she was over there working at a bookstore in a bookshop, and she started playing around with that wonderful little segue into life that we call music. She I thought said, you were going to say Black Magic. Like, yeah, Damn, another one. Yeah, another one bites the dust. It's either drugs or Aleister Crowley, one of the two. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, so she started, uh, she started dabbling in a little bit of music, and she started having a little bit of sex, uh, because she gave birth to her first child in April 67, which she gave up to adoption. Which a little is Yeah, well, no. no I mean, you know, in those times. No, no, those no. Those times? The well, 60s? Yeah, well, that's that's like I said. That's when she moved to uh, when she moved to New York and she met photographer photographer Robert Mappithorpe uh, while she was working with uh, Janet Hamill at the bookstore. Being a poet, performed in a lot of plays. So she started off performing in a lot of different plays. A lot of like the snappy finger coffee shop. Gotta gotta get in the door somewhere in the entertainment yeah, business. Yeah, that's right. Know? And uh, so anyway, she started doing that, and then she started performing at CBGB, and that's kind of when she broke through a little bit. Right, mm -hmm. and she has this one song. I can't say the name, the full name, but it's a fantastic song because she's. This, she started off very punky, very in your face, very. You know, she used to start her songs a lot of them with with poetic verses and these kind of things. At least before she started recording horses. Um, but she's got this song, "Rock and Roll Inward." Okay. Have you ever heard that song? No. Great song, fantastic song. Not the choice of song titles that I probably would have chosen. Mm -hmm. But I get the meaning for it. She always had a double meaning behind everything she produced. Oh, wow. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm learning. Come on. Yeah, I'm learning. It's fantastic. So her debut album, 1975, Horses. Beautiful album. You got Gloria on there. I think you even got uh, her, her main song uh, that she recorded with Bruce Springsteen. Um, 
Uh, because the night, you know that song. Because, because the, the night yeah. was my two lovers. I didn't know she did that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was Patty Smith, man. That's when she got a little bit more. But that was like La Bouche or something. La, la Bouche, <laughs> Ferme la Bouche. Let's shut your mouth in French. <laughs> Ferme la Bouche. But uh, anyway, so you know, what, you know what Coco Sante is? No, I don't. <laughs> dirty dick, dirty dick in Haitian. Dirty dick Haitian. Dirty dick in Haitian. That's what oh, I thought it, you you said dirty. Then Zozo Sante, Stinky Bush in Haiti. Zozo, Zozo Sante, Zozo Sante. So from my Haitian friends. <laughs> so Patty, Patty had all of these beautiful uh, punk rock poetic songs, and then she moved after horses into a little bit of a more melodic state of things. And she recorded, I think it was over eleven studio albums. Wow. And and she she ended up uh, covering. I wouldn't. I hate that word. That's such a weird. Weird word. She covered a lot of different emulating. songs. Yes, yeah, she ended up emulating a lot of different songs. She did a lot of uh, Jefferson Airplane songs. She mm-hmm. did White Rabbit and uh, Someone to Love, and she did uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit, and a few other ones. And they always, she always has this very, very poised and collected voice. She always has this very poised and collected ideal behind her, which I always really, really respected about Patty. And and that, too, is she wasn't just a musician, and you could tell that. like Because a lot of musicians... Mm-hmm. You see throughout time as their albums start to come out and they start to fizzle out a little bit because a, a lot of people talk about this too is their first album is usually their best because that's the real shit. That's the real shit that's going on in their life, right. right? And then they make it big and they're touring and what are all their songs about? Stories from the road. Mm. They're about touring and tour buses and, and restaurants. Nobody really cares about that. Yeah, and well, it doesn't tell a story. But Patty had so many different avenues, right? She had poet poetry. She was huge in the poetic community, mm-hmm. right? And she had art. She has some of her stuff po- uh, uh, inducted into the Andy Warhol Museum. A lot of her stuff. You know, I have a 1975, bo- 1975 bottle of wine, Andy Warhol edition, Rothschild from France. It's probably worth a bunch of money, man. Actually, probably that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, it's got it's got the Marilyn Monroe, you know, uh, label on it. Yeah. 1975, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. If anybody up. wants to buy a bottle of uh, Rothschild, <laughs> yeah. hit me up. Give you a great price. <laughs> but no, that's that's always what uh, what I respected about Patty above all else is because she wasn't just a musician. Like I said, she was the commander, named the commander of that big art society in France by the French Order of Culture. That's or the amazing. French Minister of that's, Culture. That's really cool. Yeah, and it's fantastic. And then, and then she, in 2006, she does a three and a half hour set at CBGB closing it out. That was like the closing show. Of CGB, CBGB. No way. Yeah, it's insane. Two years back to back. And then the third year, in 2007, she's inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So she gets these, I mean, immense honors. And, you know. Hey, she's achieved lots of milestones. Yeah. You know? and, and, and one of the famous lines that she always said, how she opened up horses, is says, like, Jesus died for somebody's sins, but not mine. I, I don't know, man. There's just something about her that just, I don't know, hits home. Maybe not home, but it hits it hits the the chill button, the chill yeah, button in the back so of my neck. So, your favorite female musician? No, she's up there. She's up so there. who is it? I don't know, man. I got a, like a like a top three. Can I have a, like a top five? You didn't give me a top three or any. What did you ask me earlier in the show? Oh well, See? I like Stevie. I like Stevie. I like Patty. Yeah, yeah. I like Lita. Yeah, I thought you like them all. But who is your queen? Who's my queen bee? Queen. That doesn't matter. Okay, so let's 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 go on to, an, to another Grace uh, Slick, maybe. You just like the name. I just You're love their name. I love that name. <laughs> no, no, no. So I'm not done with Patty. Oh Lord, is she still living? Yeah, yeah, she's still alive. She's still putting out music. She's still putting out great music. Um, 
So anyway, yeah, I am kind of done. The only funny last thing I want to say about her is she had a really funny story. In, uh, not, well, maybe not funny for the time, but funny now. Uh, on January 23rd, 1977, Patty was, uh, they were performing at uh, the Patty Smith Band, was performing at this amphitheater in uh, Tampa, Florida. And she danced off stage where she happened to fall 15 feet, breaking her neck. What? That's how intense this lady was. <laughs> but anyway, okay. So who are we talking about now? Marcus texting you, do you all want his girlfriends. Me? I'm looking something up. All right, so. <laughs> talking about all his girlfriends. Who's next? Oh, my God. All of his girlfriends. You want to go for Ann Wilson? Do you want to talk about Ann Wilson? You can talk about Ann Wilson. You just want me to speak. You don't like to talk. Get, what are you talking about? <laughs> Let's talk about Patty. Patty Benatar, the other Pat. Oh, Patricia May Geraldo? Yeah, that. Mm. Yeah, well, so Pat Benatar's real name was Patricia May Geraldo. I can dig it. Yeah. Born, uh, Better 50, than my name. Born in uh, 53 in Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Seem to see a trend here. You know, I think... A lot of them were born around the same time period. Around the same time period and go to the same places. California and New York. That must have been the happening spot. Tri-state area or the West Coast, man. That's right. Everything else sucks. Everything else (laughs) sucks. Nobody was coming out of Florida except for Skinner. No. I mean, you had Chicago in the middle, and that's about it. Yeah, whatever. Nobody likes Chicago. Anyway. That's true. (laughs) Nobody really likes Chicago. Let's be real with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Remember I told you, the ceiling fan's coming. her, another another trend, like you were talking Mm -hmm. about trends, she was in theater production as well. That was where she got her, 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 you know, her her start, her foot in the door. I can see that. Um, So Liza Minnelli inspired her to become a singer. Really? So, you know, Liza was, you know, oh my gosh, Liza. She's on stage doing the singing and the dancing. The singing and the dancing. Oh, I'm from Brooklyn, too. Brooklyn, oh, look at this. Yeah, she's a one-stop shop, the Liza. <laughs> I didn't realize Pat was that, you know, that New York, but apparently she is. Hey, she doesn't portray it. She hides it well. Okay, so then, you know. She... How did she start? Commercials? What did she do? Lounges. She did lounge lounge acts. Okay. Okay. That was how she made her bread and butter. Yep. And then she was also in uh, Pepsi commercials. There was, there was two of those. And then finally, in 1978, she was discovered at a, a little club called City Tramps. That's that's, and that's where she was discovered. Righteous. Can you tell me some Pat Benatar music? Not much. Not much. I'm not a big Pat fan. Heartbreaker, man. Well, I know Heartbreaker, and I know songs like that. What about um, Hit Me With Your Best Shot? Well, yes, I know that song. Yeah, same. She's just, I don't know, man. There was something Treat about right. her. Treat Me Right. Something about her. I just never really loved her. You Better Run was the second video on MTV. Yeah, that's right. You know? That was yeah. right. And then Love is a Battlefield. That was, that, that, to me, that's, that's, that's probably my that's favorite. That's her all-time yeah. pinnacle of, of her career. Yeah. But um, That's my favorite. That's my favorite by her, I think. So she, uh, she actually also married her high school sweetheart. Did she? She did. Who was that guy's name? That was old uh, Dennis Benatar over there. Dennis Benatar. Yeah. Divorced uh, his ass in 1979. Yeah, when she started okay. getting big. Yep. Married yeah. him in 72, though. Yeah, she was, well, she was 26. So she did a song for uh, Talladega Day and Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby. Was that her? That was her song, man. She did that song. If you don't chew Big Red, then fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to come at you like a spider monkey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. But uh, then she also did uh, some, some sticks for uh, Sheraton Hotels. Oh. Jello, as oh. well as chilies. Yeah, well, Patty Smith wrote a lot she of songs. She kind of fizzled out there. I mean, she was yeah. she was doing really cool stuff, and then she's kind of like, now I do ads for chilies. Well, <laughs> well, Patty Smith wrote songs for Blue Oyster Cult, so that's pretty badass, right there. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking badass. You kidding me? 
Patty Smith's badass. I still remember that Blue Oyster concert and that <laughs> purple laser hit me right in the eye, man. Didn't I... they coin the Laser Light Show? They were the one of the first ones that used them. Yeah, I, think yeah. So. I thought so. But so we'll all agree that <sighs> Pat Benatar was an integral and beautiful addition to the female rock star Hall of Fame. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Ann Wilson, and Dustin Wilson, and Nancy Wilson. Born in the 50s, San Diego, California. Dad was a hardcore major in the Marine Corps. Although, didn't follow the stigma. Loved music. Every Sunday, they used to have pancakes and listen to opera. Interestingly enough. Mm. Well, and, and, you know, Ray Charles and stuff like that. Judy Garland and whatever else. So, finally, in their moving around in their, in their military travels, I would say, because I, I know that life pretty well, they settled in a little town called Seattle. Oh, I've heard of that. A little town called Seattle, which is cool because that's a little break from the mold of the West Coast California buzz and the and the New York buzz, mm. you know. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So, but they didn't settle till a little bit later than these guys. Uh, well, maybe in the Pat the Pat Benatar days and in, in the Joan Jet days. Yeah, a little yeah. bit later though, because Hart Hart started as White Hart, uh, and they actually moved to Canada, formed White Hart, and then Nancy came up, and then finally formed Hart in 1974. I think they're known as Fart now. Fat Farts. Fat, oh, don't call her oh, fat. I'm just kidding, She had Nancy. so many... She had so oh, many, my God. It's there. Body shaming. <laughs> no, that's... And she had that bad... She had... When they, when they used to shoot her videos, they used to do all these angles and put her in these, like, weird corsets and things. To yeah, I remember to, that. That's right. Right. She, she did get in those corsets. Yeah, and they tried to stay away from her face because they... Or they tried to focus in on I her face. I actually always thought she was the hotter one. The blonde? That's Nancy. For God's sakes. Yeah. You always mix them up. Yeah, that's Nancy. Yeah, she is. Well, I don't know. She's, they're both hot in their own right. Yeah. But, but Nancy, she, well, I spoke on this usually too. pick one of the two, though, right? I would probably go for Nancy. Yeah. Yeah, she's hot. But, uh, and she's also an amazing guitar player. So they, Nancy joined in 73. Heart was formed from White Heart into Heart in 74. And out comes their initial album, Dream Boat Annie. Yeah finally released in the U.S. in 1976 with a little song called Magic Man that you guys may know. And Crazy on You. Crazy on you. She's a magic man. That's right. Every time I hear, uh, see the magic man, though, I always think of uh, Walk on Water by Ozzy. Oh. He was a magic man who had a daughter. But anyway. I thought you were going to talk about, was that Eddie Money? If you could walk no. on water. No, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely no, no Eddie Money. I'm not an Eddie Money. You know Eddie guy. Money lives in Ponte Vedra? Really? Yeah. He does. No way. He does. Let's go, talk, let's go hang out with him. You know what I'm saying? I used to live pretty close to Joe Pesci. Up, Did up you? How was that? I mean, I didn't meet the guy, but, you know, he lived, I lived in the same city. You didn't go tell him to forget about it or something? No. No. Go get me another drink, Spider. Yeah, Spider. <laughs> go get me a drink. But anyway, so released quite a few albums. Uh, Little Queen in 77, Dog and Butterfly in 78. And something interesting about Hart, other than the obvious, she has an insanely powerful female voice. Ann Wilson is up there in the top 10 in the country, guaranteed ever female vocalist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something interesting about them is Ann Wilson did a lot of work with Allison Chains. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, she what did a lot. Hell? Yeah. In, uh, in 93, Lane Staley sung on uh, that Ring Them Bells song, that Bob Dylan cover that Hearts did, on uh, their Desire Walks, uh, hmm. Desire Walks On album. That's crazy. And that's crazy. I never, I didn't know that. No, I didn't. I had no yeah. idea. 
Yeah, yeah. I would never put the two together in a room in my life. You know? Yeah, and then uh, she formed a side band. I forget what year, but she formed a side band called the uh, Love Mongers, which performed uh, the Battle of Evermore on Cameron Crowe's uh, singles movie. You remember that oh, singles movie with the, oh, How could you forget? Yeah, the legendary soundtrack. Yeah, and Cameron—that's a Cameron Crowe movie, and so that was she was big in like big. I wouldn't say she's an integral part, but she was a big, big part of it. Like with with uh, uh, Lane Staley and Allison Chains, and incidentally enough, Anne and Jerry Cantrell sang "Black Hole Sun" during the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, induction of Soundgarden. She probably just wanted, she knew that they were rock stars already, and they got a good food spread. On the, on the oh, bro, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. I'm that. just kidding. Ha, ha, ha. She's a beautiful human. I'm, and I'm sure she is. I'm, not, I'm just, it's a joke. Would you calm yourself? I forgot. Uh, you probably got some heavy set folks across the other end of this microphone that are about to yell at you. Um, no, I wasn't shaming her for that. I was shaming her for her. Never ending, Never ending appetite, appetite for destruction. For, for, for <laughs> concert food. Anyway. You heard of the roadies. Any, she's, a, she's a foodie. She's a foodie. Anyway, to, I don't know if the audio slave has anybody else he wants to talk about, but the last one that I kind of want to touch on for a second, we don't have much more time, is Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane, or the Great Society, or Jefferson Starship, or just Starship, now, Grace look, look, looks like She looks like she could have used a couple of uh, more meals. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> she also looks like she was born and raised on a Starship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but she, I thought she was beautiful. And she had that very chaotic uh, 60s psychedelic rock voice yeah. that everybody knows and loves from that particular oh, time. And they, they must have covered the, uh, the White Rabbit like a bazillion times you know, through the years. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that song was written by uh, the Great Society. Well, it was written by her, and Someone to Love was written by her. And uh, great, it started off being played in the Great Society, which is a much more mild Jefferson Airplane. And that's kind of how she she fell into the uh, music scene is because she born to uh, Ivan in Virginia. Wing, I think it's Wing? Wing or Wang? One of the, I think it's Wing was her maiden name. Yeah. And Wing. Yeah, that's right. And so she ended up uh, moving over to California, doing the doing the Southern California thing or the Central California thing, and met up with Jerry Slick, Jerry Slick, a uh, I think he was a photographer. No, he was a he was a sh- well, he was a kind of a photographer. He was a he was in like short films and things. He was in he was one of those guys that was really into making. He was a like, filmographer, film filmatographer. Yeah, there you whatever go. whatever that shit's called. Anyway, so she ended up marrying Jerry Slick, and out comes Grace Slick. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, they start uh, the Great Society, her, uh, Jerry Slick, and uh, Darby Slick on guitar, and David Minor as well. So, they started they started this band, Great Society, which and then they started doing the Grateful Dead thing. They started mm-hmm. doing the Jimi Hendrix thing. They started mm-hmm. doing the Joplin thing. But they also maintained their a great semblance of uh, individualism yeah, for their, themselves. Their originality. Right. And so they were playing at these small clubs, these small venues, these little coffee shops, things like that. And they always used to go see um, Jefferson Airplane because Jefferson Airplane was around before, you know, they didn't yeah. start Jefferson right, Airplane, right. you know. And so um, she replaced Signe uh, uh, Anderson okay. in Jefferson Airplane. And then she ended up signing on with Jefferson Airplane in 66 and started 
producing the music. And that's where everybody knows the beautiful Someone to Love and White Rabbit and all that kind of stuff. And they were at both the festivals that the aforementioned Janis Joplin mm-hmm. festivals. They were at Monterey. They were at Woodstock. And so she was the uh, she was the other side of the fence of the rock and roll female musician powerhouse of the late 60s, I think. Um, I don't know. I think I would have been more of a Grace Slick than a Janis I don't know. Back in those days, if I was, you know, if it was like both of them playing, like like today, like you got to worry about groups playing the same time at, at festivals. So like if it was like, oh, they're playing at the same time, you had to pick one, you know. <laughs> uh, I'd probably go over, over to Jefferson Airplane. I think I'd probably go to Janice. See? Bye. Yeah. <laughs> See you at the hot dog cart on the way out. <laughs> yeah. Um but but yeah, I think uh, I think they were a super prominent. She was definitely a super prominent because she was very very unique in her own right as well. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. yeah, and so she recorded a couple albums with them. I think she did two or three albums with them until they broke up, and she started dating uh, the guitarist uh, Paul Kratner. And she then had a couple years off. She had a couple years off because of uh, some alcohol issues <laughs> some alcohol <laughs> issues and she had she did a little solo thing uh she released an album called manhole in 74 which it was it was okay and then in 75 she finally formed back up with a couple of members of, of jefferson airplane as well as she did some stuff with crosby too from crosby stills and nash um and then they formed jefferson starship and released three albums nice. uh, red octopus uh in 75 spitfire in 76 and earth in 78 so they were all they were all pretty good, but they weren't they weren't they didn't all they didn't have the Jefferson Airplane feel to them. They they didn't. But she wrote some popular hits. Nothing gonna stop us now. We built this city. That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's. I mean, they did a few different things, a few benefit shows, and they they had a reunion tour. The last big thing with Jefferson Airplane is they had a reunion tour in '89. Yeah, which was kind of cool. But like we talked about in the beginning, being that she's a awesome female she's definitely outlived all her counterparts and she's still with us no i think all the females that we just mentioned tonight she's not dead no she's not dead good lord i I thought she was all of those drugging rock stars that we mentioned tonight other than janice i believe she's old as hell how how old is she 70s gotta be i mean what was her birthday what was was her birthday great yeah grace slick let's see i can google this fast 1939 and she Christ. Yeah. That's crazy. She's up there, man. Yeah. Good for her. Yeah, good for yeah. her. Anyway. The old uh, Betty White of the rock and roll biz. <laughs> <laughs> Betty White. Did you ever see those naked pictures of Betty White? Please. No. Why would I want What? To? No. It's when she was like 22. I didn't know. Bro, you got... We're looking them up after this. That's another look up. She was gorgeous. <laughs> that lady was killer. So some of the other uh, top female rock stars that we didn't mention that we didn't actually get to get to tonight, uh, one of my favorites of the modern day, Haley Williams. We're going to have to do good. another episode, I guess. I, I think so. Uh, Maria Brink, she's absolutely fantastic. Uh, Dolores Oridrin. Oridrin? Oridrin? Don't ask me how, how to say. Oriordrin uh, from the Cranberries. Anyway, love her music. Can't say her last name. Gwen Stefani. Uh, you got Chrissy Hind from The Pretenders. Um, uh, Danita Sparks from L7. Uh, Liz- Lizzie Hale. Like from, just from modern times. Yeah, from modern times. It's just it's so. I wanted to touch on this because a lot of times we get caught up in the in the stigma of these are only this is a primary male sport. This music thing and only males make it. No, man. I'm telling you what. There is like for instance another one that I absolutely adore. If you guys haven't heard them, uh, she's played with uh, Postmodern Jukebox a few times. Haley Reinhardt. She is 
insane. Go listen to her rendition of Creep, and it will fucking crumble you until mm. t- tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely fantastic. So anyway, we're going to close it out with that. We're going to hit you with another episode next week. We don't quite know what it is yet. We might extend the female rock stars anthem, or we might move into something else. But as always, please, if Think you guys... Send us an email and, and tell us what... What yeah. They want us okay. To say, right? Yeah. We'll do that. We'll see all of all three of you that are listening. Uh, <laughs> please do us a favor. Stop by uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a review. Good, bad, the ugly, whatever it may be. And if you have an idea for the show, or if you want to, uh, you know, you know anybody that's super into music and music theory that you would like to that would like to be on the show and co-star with us, uh, please email me at williewhitebread69 at gmail As always, we hope you enjoyed the show. We love you, and we will see you next week. Later, guys.